Hello and welcome to the show. This is the Jersnet Podcast. So as the temperature in Britain kicks up a gear, Rangers were finally back setting the pitch alight at Ibrooks, and we're almost ready for the new season to kick off. Thursday evening saw a sizzling display from Gerrard's new look Rangers with a 6-0 pre-season rout over English League Two side Bury. We'll take a look back at all the action and assess where we're heading into the new campaign. Also, we're looking ahead to a European return as we welcome FK Schuppe to govern on Thursday, hopefully to put the demons of Luxembourg to rest. And finally, we've all been treated to the first fruits of the new kit manufacturing deal with the Danish designers Hummel. We'll be discussing all three new strips and we'll lap up some nice spitting tantrums from across the city. My name's Ross Bennett. I'll be your Jersnet podcast host this week. And joining me on this fine evening, first of all, we've got regular guest David Fraser. David, welcome back. How's your summer been? Good evening, Ross. Yeah, my, my summer's been good so far, uh, lapping up the, the good weather and uh, thankful that the, the football's back for real. I know, I know. It, it, Folk that aren't interested in football are saying that it feels like it's only just finished and obviously it's still going on with the World Cup. For me, it has been far too long and I am raring to go for a new season. Secondly, back by popular demand, especially amongst all of our female listeners, you've heard of the icons of Ibrooks, but please welcome the god of Jersnet. It's the one and only Pete. Pete, is the weather out on the continent as fine as it here as it is here in Britain? Well, my wife was back in... Uh, well, I shouldn't say that when you're saying the god of women and things like that, but that should have... Uh, <laughs> When uh, my wife was back in Scotland and she said that it's warmer here, so we're having it a wee bit warmer than you. It seemingly cools off a lot more at night uh, where you are. And here here it's great into the night, it's just still warm. I don't know about cooling off at the night time because I'm still having some sweaty nights in the sheets, but that is possibly for another discussion. Right, we have got so much to talk about tonight, even though it's pre-season, the season hasn't kicked off yet, there's so much to get through. We're going to dive straight in and, uh, and look back over the pre-season game against Bury that we had on Friday night. Obviously, we had plenty of new signings um, making their, their Ibrox bow and their first game out in a Rangers shirt. David, I'm going to come to you first. Out of all those new signings, did anyone really impress you? Were you happy with what you've seen on the recruitment front? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the, the recruitment so far, Ross. Um... Out of all the the guys, the new signings that, that, that played on Friday night, um, I've got to be honest, the, the guy that stuck out for me was, um, was Nikola Katic. Um, having said that, it's difficult to, to prejudge any new signing on uh, based on the, the level of opposition that Rangers were up against. I mean, you could say that, that all the, the new guys played well. Um, Scott Arfield certainly uh, looked apart, um, looked to get involved. Um, Connor Goldson was, you know, was good, uh, aggressive, but I, I, you know, um, I wouldn't read too much into it, given that, that Bury are essentially an English fourth division team, and they're they're early on into their pre-season. So, um, whilst it was it was a good performance uh, from Rangers, and we've seen some noticeable differences in how they approach the game in terms of um, shutting down and, and harrying and, and being sharper. And, just try to do things generally more quickly, um, coupled with you know the, the rotation in terms of the, the formation in the, in the middle of the park, which is quite noticeable. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's early days yet, and we should leave the the, the judgment 
to later on in the early qualifiers for the Europa League. Probably a fair comment. I'm like a kid in a sweetie shop at the minute, knowing the football's coming back and then getting a 6 0 win. I'm just dead excited. And you've, uh, you've brought me crash, crashing back down to earth there. Surely okay, not. The three lads you've highlighted in Nikola Katic, Arfield, and Connor Goldson, I think were the three standouts for me in terms of the new signings as well. But everyone did play well. Um, and I was impressed with, with something that all of the new signings brought. You know, we've seen. Obviously, John Flanagan's there. He's he's not shying away from a tackle. The two centre halves were complementing each other so nicely. I thought, and I felt like there wasn't really a, you know, I feel like in recent years in centre back pairings we've had one that you might call the old one or the slow one or the weak one. The two of them were sharp, were aggressive. Nobody shied away from any challenges, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what that can bring. Um, Pete, I know in the past you've always had your eye on the youngsters coming through from uh, from what used to be obviously known as Auchenhowie and has now been known as the Hummel Training Centre for, for sponsorship reasons. And obviously a lot of these youngsters got a run out on Friday night as well. I'm sure you were casting a, a keen eye over the youngsters and how they got on. What did you make of their performances and did any of the young lads stick out for you? Well, I think uh, Glenn Middleton, That's, uh, that's uh, I, I can't see any way that he's not going to get games this season. He's just electric. I saw him in Germany and uh, at a youth tournament. And he was, you could see he was a, a class above everybody there. And no, even when he came on, uh, no, he, he set up two of the goals. And he's, he's just, uh, I can't see him. Rudden took his goal really well, although it was a, it was a tap in, but the, the, the pace in the ball, I've seen players miss them. Well, Morelos has missed quite a few of them. Aye, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, the, the, he, he took, took the goal well cut the pace out of it, put it in the net. Uh, so, yeah, really good. And also, the, glad to see that uh, the centre-back, was he? I've lost his name now, Wilson, Aidan Wilson. Uh, I'm glad to see that he's getting another chance. He's impressed when he's been on in the first team. You know, he didn't get so much of a chance a lot of last season, but we have seen him a few times and he's he's definitely looked like one for the future, if maybe a little small for a centre-half. But again, I thought he was good. Yeah, he certainly is. And... Uh, I, th- I think he'll probably be maybe number four this year. I, I, I still get a feeling we'll bring in another centre half, and uh, well, that that's the rumours anyway. There's another centre half coming in, and that he'll be number four. I don't think I don't think we'll go for any more than that at centre half. No, and maybe that's dependent on um, Bruno Alves moving out. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about him going to Parma, which is seems to be all but completed. Don't forget, we've obviously still got Fabio Cardozo sitting on the bench. I don't know what the situation will be with him moving on or uh, or if he'll have a part to play. But I thought new signings and youngsters, um, it all looked promising. And, and I think you could already see, actually, the, the work that had been done in Spain was paying dividends. Um, but listen, David, you're right to point out that this is early on in Barry's pre-season. It's not a great standard of opposition. Um do you think there's anything that we can take, any positives we can take from the game, or is it just a kind of meaningless training exercise? No, you can never say it's meaningless. Um, when um, there's a new regime uh, comes into the club with, with fresh ideas and, and, and different expectations of the playing staff, then no, no game's pointless uh, at this early juncture. So um, I can definitely take positives from it. Um, it was discernible. Uh, 
that they were snapping at the tackles. And to be fair, that's 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 been Stevie's mantra ever since he's he's taken the the job and the you know, started his work in the first of June. You know, he's he's been saying that, and I don't know if any of you guys caught it. You know, there was a, a video circulating uh, the internet where he was he was caught on camera saying, "I don't want um, people getting half-hearted and, and you know." And the tackles and, and being phony about it, you, know, you need to get get that into your heads right now. So he's, he's obviously they've laid down the ground rules, they've been up front with the expectations, and his mantra has been, you know, if there's a way of expectation uh, to deliver for the supporters, and if you if you don't feel that you can cut it, then you know we'll, we'll find you another club. He's been quite um, he's been quite marked and. and, and and pointing that out publicly, so that that obviously resonates with supporters. Um, and you seen the other night there, um, even Josh Windass uh, was was trying his best to shut down far quicker than he's ever done the Rangers jersey. Um, he might not have come out with the ball too many times in terms of making tackles, but um, there was just a general feeling you'd expect that, given that they're working for a new manager. But I think Stevie's. You know the, the team looked to, to play in, in his image as a player. You know he's, he's dynamic, he wants to win. You know he's not going to settle for saying best. He's not going to be shrugged off. So he's trying to, you know, impart that, you know, feeling that belief in his players. And whilst you know, Barry, uh, you know, they're, they're not a, as you say, not a great standard of position, but he started as he meant to go on. And Friday night was a was a decent run out for the team. Absolutely. And listen, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Josh Windass there because it seems like every time we record one of these podcasts, we have something to say about Josh Windass. And we are again, we're going to come back to him in, in just a moment. Um, Pete, David there, he's, he's talking about seeing a kind of new aggression that Gerard seems to have, have put into the squad. And that's what he's, you know, he's not going to settle for people shying away from challenges and he's going to demand 100% from the players. I'm sure you'll have, you'll have been following the game from your base out in on the continent, watching it on uh, on Rangers TV, so you'll have had a slightly different view. Um, but did you sort of see anything from the game that would give you any kind of insight into Gerard's tactical approach? He's he's kind of kept his cards close to his chest as to how he's going to set up. Um, did this game give us any clues? Well, I had well, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying that there was four three three, but I really thought it was a four one four one four one tactical setup that he played. And uh, I think that's the way he'll go. What what fell what was obvious for me is the early pressing. He's got, it was definitely going to be an early pressing. And one another thing, the speed of the attacks. Did you? The, I think it was a goal, Murray, Murphy goal. I mean, I don't care what that you can say. This team were only in the first week of training, but the speed that attack went, it would have broke most defenses. It was absolutely just touch, touch, touch in the goal. And uh, I think that's uh, the the two the high pressing or the early pressing, and uh, I think it'll be a four one four one. He's going for mostly. I agree with your assessment of how they've set up, and it was a four one four one. And um, and you're you're spot on about the fast, really fast free flow and attacking movement. And that's something that the the Barry coach has picked up on as well. Um, I'm sure you'll have seen that he's he's called us. You know, you've had the red arrows while they were like the blue arrows, and it's great. It's really great to hear that. Setting up in this four-one-four-one, though, for me, right. So we had obviously the goalkeeper in the back four, and then Ross McCrory sat just in front of the back four, which I think we're probably all in agreement that that's his best position. 
um, and he's a revelation there. But then the four in front of him, you've got Candias, Murphy, Windass and Arfield and then Morelos up top. And what worried me was that that second four of, you know, the, the two wingers plus Windass and Arfield, they're all quite attacking players to me. They're all very attack-minded. They'll smell blood and they'll go for it. Um, and I felt at times that that left us a little bit open in midfield. Um, Ross McCrory is still young and inexperienced. He's a hell of a footballer. He's, a, he's very good at stopping play and disrupting play. But I think there's a chance that when we're you know, really pushing for a fast attack, we possibly stretch the midfield a bit too much um, and could be exploited by, by better midfields than we were up against um, and by faster and fitter midfields than we were up against in, in Barry. So that concerns me a little bit, not nearly enough to take any of the shine or the gloss off a good pre-season performance. And look, we scored six goals. How can we not be happy with that? Um, just something that I've got one eye on and, and possibly we need to, to look out for. But Pete, staying with you, um, David mentioned a, 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 a few minutes ago there that he was kind of happy with the way that he saw Josh Windass fighting for the ball. Oh, showing a little bit more grit and determination. I think I disagree with that assessment. For me, it was you know a new season, but it's the same old Josh Windass. Possibly harsh to say that one preseason game in, but I was um, for me, he's gone missing again. The output wasn't there. He'll have a couple of minutes of running and then and then hide away until the halftime whistle. I'll come to both of you because I think we need a, a rounded opinion on this. But Pete, with you first of all. Do you see any difference in Josh Windass over that 90 or however many minutes he was on for? And, and do you think with his work rate and his attitude, does he have a future under Stephen Gerrard? I actually think Windass played not too bad yesterday, over Friday, sorry. And uh, he set up the Morelos goal and he was he was quite uh, good uh, put passing. Uh, I don't think he was as bad as actual people are making out. Um whether he'll be in Gerrard, I think Gerrard's going to bring in other players, which will probably push Windass out the team. But I, I, I don't think he's, I, I think he'll be part of his plans. I don't think it's, a, unless somebody comes in with a bid for him for about three or four million, then he'll probably go. But I, I don't think Windass, I think when I don't think he'll end up sitting in the stand, put it that way. I think he'll, he'll always be a part of the planning. Yeah, but possibly. I think what I'm trying to say is that maybe there's a feeling that Josh Windass has been the first name on the team sheet for too long and hasn't necessarily earned that. He had a wonderful six weeks back in or, you know, around February time and scored a lot of goals. Um, but for me, his attitude does not necessarily warrant, um, you know, his, his automatic starting position in the team. And I think maybe we need to recruit someone to push him a wee bit more. David, how about you? You know, you said you're a bit happier with what you've seen from Windass on Friday night. What would you like to see from him going forward this season? Well, I'll just qualify what I said about him uh, earlier. I was just making reference to the fact that he was trying to close down um, far quicker uh, in line with the rest of his teammates. Um, I can see where you're coming from with regards to, you know, with the same old Josh Windass. Um, what would I like to see from him? Well, first of all, uh, Pete rightly mentions there he, he put the ball right in uh, Alfie's head for for, uh, for the fifth goal um, cracking cross 
he'd a, he'd a shot at goal, which where, where I was sat in the, the govern stand, um, looked as if it was quite close, but you guys, I think, were, were watching it on RTV, so it may well have been a bit wider of the of the post than, than what it would appear to have been from my vantage point. Um, and his defence, Ross, I, I think the thing that stuck out for me in the, in the first 15, 20 minutes, the, the, the rotation in the middle of the park, when you're, you, both of you mentioned there a 4-1-4-1. There was, there was several different formations within that four. Um, granted, Ross McCrory was always screening the centre-halves, but sometimes it was flat, sometimes it was a diamond. The other times, um, Daniel Kindace was going over to the, the left-hand side, of the opposite side of the pitch, the left-hand side of midfield. Um, Arfield was dropping deep. Uh, then he was going to the head of the diamond. And, and Josh Windass looked to me um, as though he was slightly unsure about where he should be in the park. Um, so it may well be that he's finding it a bit harder to come to grips with what Stevie's asking him to do. Um, however, I mean, it's, it's too early to see on, the, on the, the, the basis of 190 minutes. I don't know if uh, the, the TNS game that was played at Ockenhowe was, was screened on RTV, whether it was highlights or live, I don't know. So you guys may be better qualified to, to um, assess his general performance in terms of how he's, he's, he's you know, fitting into the new re regime. But, um, yeah, I, I'd like to think that, that, that Josh Windass has the necessary tools, um, or basic tools, that is, um, for Stevie to work with. I mean, um, Tom Culshaw uh, has made mention on RTV and uh, official uh, media, uh, club media channels, that he has specific job as a technical coach is to do one-on-one -on -one improvement with players. So I would imagine that, you know, Josh is going to get a lot of one-to-one -one attention because, let's face it, I mean, Josh Wanders has got tremendous pace and acceleration. He can burst away from, from you know, the, the best and fastest defenders. Um, He's not the greatest at dribbling. Um, sometimes his decision making is not the greatest, but you know, it, this season will be a big proving going for Josh Wanderers as to whether he can cut it as a Rangers player going going forward. And I'd like to think that with the manager being, you know, early on in his career, uh, and latterly when he when he paired up with Fernando Torres when, when Liverpool came uh, second in the in the league to Manchester United um, that season. Stevie played as a as an auxiliary striker, which a, a similar role to where you would possibly see Josh playing. So, I'd like to think that, that Josh can can improve uh, getting into the start of the league season. Can I just say, see if you see the two Arfield goals. Josh Windass was actually standing or next to him or just in front of him before they went in when he put the ball into the net. So he was sort of a in the same position as Arfield. But uh, yeah, Arfield was obviously the one that got there first, or, or was in the right position. And Windass was either just a wee bit too far away, far away, or too a wee bit too much in front. But he was always in the always in that sort of a position. Yeah, fair point. You know, you can't argue with that. And I don't know. Maybe maybe he does get a a hard time from from people like me, um, because his, his statistical output in terms of his goals and assists is. It's good, you know. It's it's absolutely what you'd want from not even a, a striker, from a, a more attacking midfielder, um, forward player. So look, maybe he does get a hard time. For me, the jury's still out, and it sort of annoys me that the jury's out 
three years down the line or whatever it is. But sometimes, you know, maybe you have to remember we signed this guy for £50,000 or whatever it was. Um, and he's certainly delivered more than £50,000 worth of goods. Right, I'm just going to have one last word um, on something that I picked up from the game. And I want both of your opinions on this, actually, is that it's a pre-season friendly and we've seen Steven Gerrard. It's his first game at Ibrox and he stood in the dugout in a tracksuit um, and a hoodie. For me, the manager of Rangers should wear a suit and tie, should wear the club tie, should wear his blazer. Um, and that's, that's just how I would expect a Rangers manager to be dressed. But I'm not necessarily right in that view because maybe, it, you know, what does it matter if he gets results? Pete, you first. Where do you come down on this? Should, uh, should Gerard be wearing a suit and tie? Do you think he will when we move into the season? Um, or does it not matter what he wears as long as he gets the result? I think he will go to a suit and tie. For me, it doesn't really matter. I, I, I thought he was fine the way he was. And I must admit, uh, the brown shoes that the managers wear, I think, are absolutely terrible. I wish they would give them decent, ordinary pair of shoes. So, the, I mean, Brogues, we're going back to about the, what is it, the 1970s that Brogues were in fashion. So the, the, Vintage, that's the, uh, that's the fashion. It's retro. Well, yeah, maybe it is. I'm, 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 maybe I'm, I'm brought up now in a sort of a Dutch-German uh, way of life. So, uh, and yeah, the, for me, things like that are, are, are way back uh, in the 70s. But... Uh, yeah, but I've I've always I've got these arguments with my mother when I'm back in Scotland. Uh, the likes of funerals and things like that, and I hate to talk about things like that on here. But we in, in Holland, you just go in your denims and a jacket, and here in Scotland, you've got to go in a suit and a, a tie. So I've always got arguments about that, but I've obviously got a different because I live in the continent, a completely different dress sense than people in Britain. And for me, I think it's a sporting event. If he wants to wear a tracksuit. He wears a tracksuit. If he wants to wear a suit, let him wear a suit. It's up to him. It's up to Gerard. David, how about you? Um, oh, it's an interesting one, Ross. Um, like you, I'm kind of in the traditionalist kind of camp uh, up to a point. Um, I was slightly surprised and firstly, you know, first seeing him walk out with the, the tracksuit on, but it's a summer's night. Um, I can see why people might be slightly miffed because it's his first match. Um, oh, I don't know. It's 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 difficult. I, I, th- I think Pete's got a point. You know, times move on. Um, and I'll be brutally honest. I'm of the mind. I'm just glad that Stevie's here and he's our manager. Um, if he chooses to put on a suit and you know, a collar and tie for certain matches, uh, or if he wears a you know a manager's jacket uh, for other games, um, that's up to him. Yeah, I, I, I just hope he, he gets the results. Um, I think they have, you know, Ali McCoist sometimes wore the a suit, a collar and tie, and then other times he wore a tracksuit uh, or a, you know the, the kind of training gear. Um, and you know, I don't remember people getting on his case at the you know, for, for doing that. So um, I'd like to think that, you know, uh, Stevie can, can you know, has the discretion to, to pick and choose when to um, to wear a, a shirt and tie. Maybe when, he, when we go to Parkhead or, or Pataudry for the, the other game of the season, that he'll, he'll put on the, the, 
the official uh, club um, attire. But that will we'll need to wait and wait and see what happens there. David, the day we win 55, he can be standing in his underpants if he wants. I, I won't give a damn. <laughs> How many you in that win, Pete? <laughs> if he's there stood in his underpants, we'll have to hold back half the women of Glasgow. Guys, great insight as always. What we're going to do now, for me, it's a hugely exciting week. Um, Rangers are back in Europe and, and we've got a score to settle. We've got a point to prove. I'm flying up to Glasgow on Thursday to come to this one. I am so, so excited. Thursday night under the lights at Ibrooks um, as we take on FK Scoopy in the Europa League. Um, Pete, I'll come to you first here um, as our continental correspondent. You know, what do you think we can expect from a club like FK Scoopy playing in a relatively unknown league like the Macedonian League is? I have no experience of it. I have no idea what to expect from him. Do you have any idea as to how Scoopy and the challenge they present will be different from the likes of Berry and TNS? Well, I think at Ibrox they'll, they'll sit back and and try and dig in uh, to get the result. I think they'll, they'll try to do the same as uh, Nadercorn done last year and just get a, a keep it a 1-0 at Ibrox or a 0-0. Obviously, they hope for a 0-0. Uh, and I don't, I, don't see them, I don't see them being very attacking, to be honest. Uh, I... The thing, uh, I think they'll be better than, I mean, they're in Macedonian first league, so obviously I think that'll be better than Berry uh, in English third or fourth division. But uh, no, I don't I don't see them coming out and being attacking. And really it's a game, yeah, I'm just going, I don't know, I've never seen them. Well, only in YouTube videos, but you don't know what the opposition's like there. Uh I, I don't. I don't see if Rangers get put out with this one. Then uh, yeah, bring back Pedro. There you go. That's a Jesnet exclusive. That that's a that's a joke. By the way, no, it's never getting that bad. Um, David, how about you? I'm I'm sure you'll be going to this one as well. Um, what kind of changes? You know, as as Scoopy will be harder for our scouts to go and analyse, and there won't be as much data and information on them um, as we could get against the likes of Barry. Would you like to see changes in how we've set up against Berry and TNS, or do you think it would be right to go with an attacking framework, especially at home? Um, it's, it's, I don't see any change from the the starting lineup. Uh, they started the game on Friday night. Uh, I fully expect to see John Flanagan at left back. Uh, obviously, Katic and Golds in the centre halves, and uh, James Tavernier, and he's been named the, um, the club captain. You'll be. Right back. The, the, the team will tend to pick itself, I would think, Ross. Um, just looking at the, at, at the Scoopy, um, they play in the, the Macedonian First League, which is in the UEFA coefficients, that's 34th. Um, the, SP, the Scottish Premier League's 26th currently. Um, obviously, the, the, the coefficient in the Scottish League since their demise after administration has obviously plummeted. Um, you know, even the Azerbaijani leagues ahead of the Scottish Premier League these days. Um, and incidentally, in the their league performance last season, out of the 36 games played, they, they won 13, drew 12 and lost 11. Uh, they scored 51 goals, they conceded 46, with obviously a goal difference of plus five. Um, they accumulated 51 points, whereas the champions, uh, Shkendja, um, amassed 91 points. So I think, reading into that, um, the standard of league is somewhere around about... Um, 
the League of Ireland, you know, round about that. Um, so I think, like Pete, I echo what Pete thinks, I think that they'll come, uh, they'll be organised, um, they'll probably play with 10 men behind the ball for, for a lot of the game. Uh, and I honestly think that, that the Rangers team will have too much from I think that it's the importance of um, not shooting yourself in the foot not conceding silly goals at home is not lost. It's definitely not lost in Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister. Uh, and I think they will convey the importance to, to the to the players. I'm enthused with uh, the centre half pairing um, so far. Obviously, you know, we're only 90 minutes in, but the, these guys are they're, they're big units, um, and they want to attack the ball. Uh, same with Aidan Wilson when they come on, uh, and for that matter, uh, Kyle Bradley. Uh, the boy that, that just get drafted in, um, they want to attack the ball, and that, that's the big difference um, for me. Um, obviously, Nikola Katic and, and Connor Goldson are six foot three and, uh, or six foot four and six foot three respectively. So they're they're, they're sizable guys, uh, and they seem to cover the the, the ground quite well. Um, John Flanagan obviously doesn't take any prisoners, um, and he is not he's not that. Adventures going forward. He likes to keep his, his discipline in terms of the team's shape. So I think that uh, you'll see, the, as I said, the, the lineup that started the game against Bury. And I hope if we can replicate, you know, get a couple of quick goals in the first 10 um, to 20 minutes. Um, hopefully, you know, if it's no worse than going 2 nothing up at, at, um, at half time and keeping a clean sheet, that's obviously imperative. Uh, uh, of paramount importance to, to have a healthy lead going across to the return leg over Macedonia. I think this team's going to, obviously going to be a lot fitter than Bury were. And I, I, what I, I, I sort of I see is that there'll be the likes of the, the, the Scottish uh, lower Premier League teams that, that are super fit and fight to defend. A, a wee bit the way like Russia played against Croatia. That, that's I expect something like that. No, obviously not of that class, but a wee bit like that. Just defending, super fit, chasing every ball. That's the way I expect to see them. Yeah, look, you both raised some really good points. It's it's probably fair to say they're no they're no mugs, they're no world beaters, they're somewhere in the middle. We should have too much for them. For me, you know, it's it's imperative that we keep a clean sheet because we do not want to be going over to Macedonia playing in that heat. Um, I don't know what their environment... I think it's at the National Stadium in Macedonia, so I don't know what the environment will be like, but it won't be friendly. Can I just um, can I just come in on that? They've, they've, they've actually got a, a, a bad reputation for hooligans. Right, there you go. So it, it, it'll be hostile, let's say. Hostile, yeah. hot. We don't want to be going over and conceded at Ibrox and, and making it unnecessarily nervy for ourselves. Yeah, and they, they, they seemingly get a thing about stealing other teams' banners and... Uh, putting them up on their side for the sort of a, we've, we've got your banner. So that seems to be part of their their, their thing. Right. That's well, probably a, a fair point to say then. And I love their, their club song. Have you heard their club song? No, no. Are you giving us a rendition? Yeah. Scooby, Scooby, do. Sorry, I'll turn, I'll turn my mic off. Honestly, who invited him back? This is, like, we're in second season now and we're still having nonsense like that. Right. Um, Anyone that's listening, apologies for the sing-song. And uh, if you are going to Macedonia, it's, it's useful information from Pete there. Just just be sensible, just be careful. If they've got this reputation, there's no point um, 
getting yourself into any bother. I love the fact that we're in the Europa League at the minute. I love um, being back in Europe. Uh, it, it's it's just massive for me. I, I get so excited for it. Um, but I think with, you know, David, you mentioned earlier, our, our coefficient getting absolutely slaughtered whilst we were in the wilderness and, and the expansion of UEFA to, to other nations and the amount of teams that are now qualifying for, or not qualifying, but getting into the Europa League qualifiers, making it harder and harder for teams like us to actually get to the group stages. David, what uh, what is a reasonable expectation for us in Europe here? What do you think we should expect from the club? Is it too much to expect them to get to the group stage? Should we expect them to get past uh, Scoopy and no further? Where do you think we should be looking? Um, obviously, we, we discussed this at the the last pod at the tail end of the season has just finished there, Ross, and I, I, you know, I said that we should look to get into the group stages. Now, we've obviously got to play four qualifying rounds, which will mean eight games to get there. Um, obviously, you know, we, we only know the the opponents uh, for the next round, which is a you know a creation side who again will be no mugs. The Macedonian team that we play on Thursday night again will be no mugs. Um, so, um, I think. Uh, better way of informing your opinion about where we should really expect to be uh, will be largely determined by who uh, Stevie signs between now and the end of the, the the end of the transfer window as you know hopefully you know we start progressing through the rounds the, the, the chat is that um, Umar Sadiq uh, hopefully will, will be um, a Rangers player sometime next week whether that's in time uh, for the the second leg, I'm presuming with the registration, he wouldn't be registered in time to play on Thursday night, but hopefully he may well get dispensation to play in the return leg on a Tuesday. So um, I hope Rangers, we still need what you alluded to there with, with, with Josh Windass, and you'll probably um, laugh here when I, I point out that Daniel Candace, I don't know what you guys watching the game the other night, Daniel Candace was his typical busy self, rushing about. Um, closing down opposition players, helping out James Tavern near on the right-hand side, putting balls into the box. But a lot of them, they, they didn't really amount to much. That That's going to, that's still a bugbear of mine. I think that, the, um, that, that Stevie won't, he's not going to stand for that for too much longer. You know, he's, he's, he'll have identified, if I can see it, and thousands of others can see it, you can bet your bottom dollar that Stevie can definitely see it. So, um I think that's not lost in him. I think he will look to strengthen in the forward areas, not just essentially as, you know, um, for centre-forwards. Um, and as he adds to the, to the squad with more quality, um, I think that will then give you a, a better idea of where we, we can expect to be. If, he's, if they sign decent quality, I think that um, group stage qualification is uh, a decent ask. And I think that the guy himself, he, even, he spoke really well from what I've, I've heard of him on the club media channels. He seems as if he gets it. Um, he's obviously came from a, a similar footballing institution in Liverpool. So, it's, it's, you know, there's not really a, a big shock in terms of um, the change of environment for him. And it, it, it just it demands winners. You know, it, it, there was a, an interview where he said that um, he, he wants to ask guys that, that, that come. He's looking for hungry players and... Um, he said that he's one of the, the hungriest people on the planet when it comes to, you know, getting the most out of his career, winning matches and winning big matches. So I think he'll 
he'll place that that demand on the playing squad. And if and the, you know after the the, the Scoopy games, you know, assuming that, that we do get through them and qualify, I think if, if there's guys there that he thinks he suspects that they're not really going to you know come up to the the mark. I think I'm moving to the transfer market, uh, and the squads, including Kyle Bradley, the, the squads get 30 members just now. That's obviously going to be paired back, and when he gets paired back, any um, players that leave, you'd like to think that the guys that that, that come in uh, to fill some of the positions, um, I think you'll probably look to have a squad on about 24, 25, possibly maybe 26. It would be augmented with some of the young guys. Um, that the guys that do come in will be of uh, an uplifting quality. And uh, I think that'll, that'll, that'll largely determine where, where we get to. No, definitely. Fair point, very reasonable. Um, and it, it, I guess then it depends on how uh, well financially backed he'll be. And, and, and that's, a, that's a debate for another day. Pete, just out of interest, um, you living over in, uh, in in Holland, who's your closest kind of big football club out there? No, the the closest is uh, FC Twente. That, that that's the one. But I actually, I actually live in Germany. I live just across the border. I moved. I moved across the border because the price of a house is far cheaper than in uh, than in Holland. So if we uh, if we draw FC Twente in the Europa League this year, you're getting the barbecue on and getting the beers in. Well, unfortunately, FC Twente dropped down to the second league this year, un- unexpectedly. But uh, you come across from a barbecue anyway. Uh-huh. But anyway, I, I want to say uh, there was rumoured the on the four lads had a dream uh, podcast. The, the, they said tonight that they expect uh, four players to be going away this week, and that's probably Alvis, Cardozo, uh, Hodgson, and another one. And I think Sadiq will probably be coming in this week. So I think we've got to. Wait for that. Uh, absolutely. There's there's things going on. There's there's things happening in the background, and it's uh, it's it's exciting. It's a big week for us, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Final topic for us tonight. Um, it's been a big week in in uh, Glasgow with the release of the new Rangers strips for the forthcoming season. We've had uh, three outfield strips: the home, the away, and the third kit have been released. Um, it's the first strips that we've seen designed by Hummel. Um, now, we're going to caveat this by saying, uh, at the moment, things are all up in the air with Sports Direct. We're recording this as we do on a Sunday night. Um, I think probably even by the time you guys are listening to it, the situation might have changed. At the moment, we don't know if and when we're going to be able to buy these strips. We don't know how, if we can't buy the strips, if that will affect any contracts we have with Hummel. Um, it's all up in the air and we don't know. The best thing we can do at the moment, these strips have been released. It has caused a huge um, reaction, both from fans of the club and from enemies of the club. We're going to have to discuss it. Um, Pete, you first of all, the strips have been released this week. Um, just your initial reaction, what did you think of them? How do they look? No, they look, the, the home strip looks great. I must admit, I'm not a great fan of... Uh, diagonal stripes so I'm not really the, the second strip doesn't really although if that that's the only thing I, I don't like about it but that's just a personal uh, taste uh, the orange strip obviously for me having a Dutch uh, part in it and totally nothing to do with any uh, sectarian uh, issue 
Uh, I, I like I like the orange strip because, uh, as I said, I would buy it for my kids because I live in Holland or I lived in Holland, and most part of my life is in Holland. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. Oh, we had, we had a big discussion about the black keeper strip uh, during the week. Whether whether uh, yeah, I don't know whether I'm that that, that great in a, a black strip, but I, I, I actually thought it was to do with heat, but seemingly. It's the material that that's uh, that that makes the heat and not not the color. So I wouldn't I won't step into that discussion again. No, I'm, I'm, I mean I don't know what you've done in your uh, in your career so far, but I'm pretty sure you know a fashion designer. So uh, I don't know, David. How about you? You know, we I remember hosting one of these podcasts when the Hummel deal was announced, and there were a lot of folk who were kind of less than chuffed with the retailer that we with the the manufacturer that we've gone with saying you know they wanted nike they wanted adidas i think these kits have come out i agree with pete i think they look visually they look superb um i'm not so keen on the away kit but it's it's certainly not the worst one we've had over the years but the home strip looks wonderful i think the third strip um looks stunning visually it, it looks great the players apparently are, you know, happy in how they feel on the pitch. They feel they can move properly in them. They're very breathable. It, it, it feels good to them. It looks good to us. Are people kind of eating their words now about when they were moaning over Hummel being chosen as opposed to Nike or Adidas? I don't know. It's just any personal preference, I reckon, Ross. Um, I know that, uh, obviously, with the, the, the timing of uh, certain commercial deals expiring, um, Word is that, that Adidas and Nike were definitely interested in, in securing uh, the contract for to be the technical kit supplier to Rangers. So um, the, the Hummel thing, um, it's got echoes of when uh, we swapped strips from Umbro to Admiral for the 1990-91 season. Um, albeit the, the only difference being that you know, we were the league champions at that time. Uh, it seems, you know, people are thinking, oh, that was a head-scratcher. Admiral? Um, it's a similar type, a type of uh, brand. Um, Hummel, have, you know, to the best of my knowledge, other than, than, than Middlesbrough, they're selling British football. Um, there's not really any high-profile clubs um, are supplied by Hummel. Obviously, we're, we're one um, now. So it, it could be um, a bit of, you know, synergist uh, gratification for both parties. You know, where we raise the profile at Hummel uh, and, you know, the kind of retro niche, kind of trendy shirt um, acquirer, shall we say, even in the continent, might say, well, I fancy a Rangers trip. You know, it's, it's made by Hummel. You know, it's quite, you know, it's a, a dark horse in the, the, you know, the, the strip um, stakes. Yeah, I think the strips look the strips look okay. I think from a from a from a fan's perspective, uh, in terms of purchasing one, um, obviously the quality. Uh, if you know if it survives, you know multiple washes and, and, and maintains its, its look and feel, then that's obviously going to um, instill goodwill with, with regards to repeat purchases. Maybe you know if, if uh, when they go and eventually go and sale, if, if somebody maybe buys a, a home strip, you know if the quality is good, then you know. Mum or dad treat the kids to, to an away strip or a third strip, you know, come Christmas or birthdays or whatever. Um, and the players, as you say, the players, if the players are comfortable in it, then uh, I, you know, looking at the, 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 the pre-season tour of Spain, you know, it was Stevie's walking about with it and 
you know, Stevie could work a bit in anything and he'd, he'd carry it off and make it look good. So, I, I'm fine with him. I'm, that's, you know, when we went through the last six years, especially the last couple of years where we've come back into the Premier League, we've, we've kind of underperformed. It's almost as if we were shadow boxing. Um, you know, we weren't really taking it, you know, from outside looking in, it would look as if a Rangers being really serious about what they're doing. We finally look as if we're, we're starting to get to grips. We we're going to be serious about what we're doing. And results in the park are of primary importance and, and kit manufacturers, to me, um, are of secondary importance. But, you know, the, the strips look good. And uh, let's just hope that the, the boys go off to a flyer and they start uh, carrying Rangers and the, the humble double team brand in, into Europe and doing their business. I think that's a fair summation. Um, Pete, I think we'd be remiss not to kind of address this head on and you, you alluded to it a couple of minutes ago about the links between the orange kit and perceived sectarianism or religious connotations. And there's been a lot of outrage, whether that's faux offence or real offence or whatever, um, coming from sections of Scotland, sections of the media, um, and it, it, I guess it begs the question, are we unnecessarily inviting criticism by putting out an orange strip? Um, not in my opinion. Yeah, you get you always get crazy people. I mean, I, I read a couple of tweets from one Celtic Joe. He had wrote a letter to Hummel saying, I don't know if you knew about it, but uh, the, the, this all to do with the orange walk and uh, this and that and... Uh, Rangers had never signed a Catholic before 1989, and I mean, you just can't believe these people. It's, un it's unbelievable. I don't think I don't think many Celtic supporters really care about it, and I don't think many Rangers supporters have. I mean, there are some Rangers supporters just want it to to be that way, but I, I, it's a colour of a strip. What, what, it's, let's let's just go on with it. As Stevie says, let's go, go on with the football. David, is there anything there you disagree with? No, I'm, I'm, uh, to be honest, Ross, I, I try not to pay heed to, to as Pete calls them, crazies. Um, you know, there's enough uh, people with an agenda against Rangers out there. I mean, it, it, I don't know if you guys have caught it um, today, but the, the, the Daily Record, I've ran my story with regards to um, a buoy, the fellow that played by Arsenal. Um, he's got some issues in his private life and the the record managed to apparently picture him um, wearing a Rangers strip from the Emirates Cup a number of years ago. You know, anything to drag Rangers' name through the mud. You know, the connotations, you know, linked to his story, you know, and you know, the, the visual um, conclusions that people will draw from that. You know, people of, of limited IQ um, that draw from that. So I, I, I try my hardest not to pay much heed. You know, it's... You, you know, it's obviously you'd be remiss of you not know, to, to monitor it, but I, I try not to give these haters and crazies the oxygen that they, that they crave. Um, the strip obviously has, uh, you know, being an Irish strip, you know, you could say, well, it, it could, I nod to, to the Dutch um, entourage that were, were there before, it could just be a, a colour of a strip. Um, people will say, yeah, it's, it's got, you know, the connotations of the, the Orange Order or whatever. It's, again, I'm repeating this one. It's a football strip at the end of the day. People have got an agenda against Rangers. They'll find anything. Uh, and the strip's just, you know, it's, it's the least of people's worries. And 
if people in their droves decide that they're going to buy on strips and it's going to put money in the, the coffers of the club, then fine. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be a good thing uh, from a club perspective. And I'm certainly not going to have any um, take offence to it. Um, I've got other things to worry about than the, the colour of a football strip and who might be, you know, uh, offended by it, or whether it's, you know, uh, faux offence or, or otherwise. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's an insignificant part of it for me, Ross. I think that's the best way to view it. And you you're, you sound like a more patient and more mature person than myself because I do get a little bit sucked into these people. Um, and there's, there's, there's no arguing with the terminally stupid as far. Because we've seen folk, um, whether it's Celtic supporters or supporters of other clubs or... Um, particularly minded bloggers or even you know people who have the gall to call themselves journalists have all been making these points that um you know well the, the first thing you can say is well why are they having an orange strip because it's it's not in the colors of their livery you know it's not rangers are I've, I've always had red white and blue so why are they have an orange and and you can throw that back because every club has a third strip and a few years ago celtic had a black third strip but i don't see black in their colors so, you know, we're not the first club to have a third strip that's an alternative colour. So that's nonsense. And you get the folks saying it's sectarian or you're confusing, um, you're conflating religion and politics into football. And there's no need to do that. But again, and this isn't whataboutery, it's pointing out um, <laughs> inconsistencies in people's narrow minded arguments. People saying you're conflating religion and politics and sectarian, sectarianism into football. And you go, well, what about the Celtic strip in, what was it, 2010, 2011, that had the Irish tricolor on the, on the trim of the sleeves? Was that not conflating politics and religion into football for a, a Scottish football club to have the Irish flag on their strip? Because um, to me, that's a political gesture. And I think you have to look at yourself. If you are genuinely not just doing it to get a reaction or to cause trouble if you are genuinely genuinely offended or concerned by the color of a man's top I, I i almost envy you because you must have nothing else of concern in your life you must float through life with nothing to worry about because i must admit though ross i wasn't very happy with the scotland pink strip <laughs> that was horrible it was absolutely bogging wasn't it absolutely both it was almost as bad as the standard of the scottish national team's football um i just think it's overblown nonsense and uh it's it's anything to beat this club with isn't it in in scotland it's anything to take us down a peg and i'm i'm just bored of it i'm bored of it yeah ross it's just to, to come in and embellish that um five six years ago the the, the third strip um when Rangers were sponsored by Tents, um, remember the black strip? Um, I can remember the, the record, certainly the record, it may well have been all the tabloids and the, the sun as well. They, they ran a story that it looked like the the, the, the Germany uh, national team, i.e. the Nazi national team in the 1936 Olympics because it was black. But don't forget that the, the reason why um, Rangers wear black socks with, with red turnips is the, the, the colours are governed, the, the, the borough are governed, where we we obviously play, um, and as as I said previously, there you know you love agendas, editors love agendas, publishers love agendas, individual journalists uh, and editors you know will, will, will ramp this up, and they'll they'll, they'll they'll 
they'll troll through anything, picking any any little thing to beat Rangers with, and, and basically I think we should just ignore it. That'd be the, the best best thing to do. You know, by all means, monitor it, but don't bite. You know, the, 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 they want a reaction, so we can, you know, trip ourselves up and trying to justify why we've done it and all that. Just don't entertain it. You know, I, I, that's my take on it. You know, there's a football strip, um, and the, the football strips look good. We play football, and kids, you know, will want to buy strips. Parents will want to buy strips for their kids. Uh, some adults will want to buy strips as well, and, and good on them. You know, if, if they want to spend their money and, and put it towards their club, great. You know, if, if, if there's some uh, biofil journalist, blogger, whoever, you know, some of the fans of themselves have been a self-important social commentator, whoever, just ignore them. It's just noise. Right, I'm uh, I'm making a resolution here that I'm going to live my life in a more David Fraser way because I uh, it'll it'll do wonders for my mental health if I manage to ignore these chancers. We're uh, we're almost done, almost out of time here on the Jazznet podcast for this week. There's only time uh, to cover the notorious Sevco of the week. Now we've had a little discussion off air. Um, we've come up with this week's winner, a Sevco of the week. Now this was a, a tweet that I found actually. Uh, on Friday night, uh, just after we'd played our pre-season friendly, um, from a, a chap who has really, really swiftly, and I mean maybe two to three minutes after he's tweeted it, it's been deleted, but I've managed to get a screenshot, and actually I'll probably tweet that from my own account if you want to take a look at it. Um, see if you can spot the error in the following tweet. So transparent, Burnley lay down to Sevco, but they'll pump Aberdeen and make them look good. Disgusting. Now, honestly, one of my favourite things about doing this podcast is Sevco of the Week, and it means that I get to troll Celtic Twitter to see the lunacy, the idiocy, and the stupidity. And and for me to get the greater Manchester town of Bury mixed up with the Lancaster, uh, Lancashire town of Burnley confused, I mean, <laughs> it, it's just idiocy beyond belief. And uh, but actually, usually they wouldn't make that mistake because of their levels of obsession. But hey, well, Sevco of the Week for the week. Uh, goes to that man there. He's deleted his tweet now, but I'm going to tweet the screenshot I've got of that so that you can all have a good laugh. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for us all here at the Jersey Podcast. Like I say, we're all buzzing for the game on Thursday um, under the lights at Ibrox against FK Scoopy. What we're going to do is we're going to have uh, another podcast in a couple of weeks' time um, looking back over the Europa League tie, hopefully looking ahead to a tie against uh, either the Croatians or the Moldovans. Um, there will, I'm sure, be plenty of developments over the next couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure you've got your eyes open for the next installment of the Jersnet podcast. All that's left for me to do this evening is to thank both of our guests today. So thank you. Uh, a big thanks to both David and to Pete. Also, a huge thanks, as always, go to our audio engineer, Graham. Um, like I say, keep your eyes open. Um, look out for the next installment of the Jersnet podcast. And uh, if you want to get involved with any chat, uh, all three of us are registered over on the Jersnet forum. Just head to www.jersnet.co.uk, get registered, get involved, have a chat. Um, we'd love to see you there. Uh, there's also plenty of news, gossip, interviews, uh, loads of really good features on that website, so so definitely head over and take a look. Um, other than that, it's it's goodbye from me and from Pete and David, and hopefully we'll see you soon. <laughs>